morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us in Appleton and Stevens Point this morning. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is what we believe, who we are at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. Trust that uh, service has been meaningful to you so far. We are in a teaching series called Faith 101, where we are looking at answering some of the basic questions about faith and some of the most basic fundamental truths about faith. So far, we've asked these questions. Why does God let bad things happen to people? And it's not that God lets bad things happen. It's that there's a thing called free will. And oftentimes, the bad things that happen are just, quite frankly, people's own doing. It's not God doing that. God doesn't do everything in life. Second question is, why do we pray? So that you can get God to do things in your life. And I promise you, the number one reason people don't get answers to prayer is because they simply do not pray. We want to encourage you to pray. Uh, we ask the question, you know, should you judge? Everybody says, you shouldn't judge. Don't judge me. Just, you know, everybody, it's interesting how many non-Christians are very quick to quote the Bible. <laughs> don't judge me. Don't judge me. Uh, pointing out what's wrong is not judging, okay? Judging is when you come to conclusions you don't know all the facts. That's a different situation. But somebody kills somebody, he killed them. That's not judging uh, to point that out. Um, why do we go to church? Kind of a fundamental question. A lot of people say, oh, I don't need church. I can get close to God all by myself sitting in a tree. No, you can't. All right? There's a different experience when you come to church. Jesus made church a big deal. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The point of the church, God loves to move through people. You want God to touch your life? You need to get around people of faith. Because God uses people to answer prayers. Oftentimes he does. It's called the gifts of the spirit, that dancing hand of God. You're not experiencing much of God in your life. Chances are you're not very connected outside your little circle of friends. You know, whether it's your kids or, you know, three or four girlfriends, whatever the deal is, you need to connect with people in the church. That's how God will touch your life. It's just a fact. Coming to church and just bang out the door as fast as you can afterwards is not connecting with people. Not to say there aren't times you need to take off. If you need to take off right away, we won't judge you because <laughs> we don't know all the facts. But you need to connect with people, all right? That's the point. We ask the basic question, who am I? Who am I? You know, I feel this, I feel that. And we live in a culture that says you have to be honest with how you feel, which is a formula for disaster. Your feelings are the most dishonest part of you. It's like you becoming really, really good friends with a congenital liar. Someone who's always lying to you and ripping you off. You're I'm, I'm my closest friend. Why would you do that? You need to be careful. 
Your feelings are not your friend. Your feelings do not define you. You don't act based on how you feel. If you do, you'll be a disaster. That's great when you're feeling good, but a lot of times we feel bad. It doesn't change the way we should act. Our feelings do not define us. God defines us. That's who we are. We talk about the Bible. People say, why do you buy it? Why do you have to have the Bible? Because it's a standard. Without a standard, there's anarchy. Somewhere there is a record, a measurement of how much is a gallon, how much far is a yard, how much is a foot. All these things are absolutely codified that we measure against the standard to see if those things are true. You know, an inch is an inch. It can't be that much, that much, or that, you know, it is what it is. Otherwise, everything's just a free-for-all. Same is true in life. The reason we have the Bible is to give us the standard. That's what we measure ourselves against. Otherwise, life is a disaster. You want the breath of God breathing into you? Read your Bible. It'll change your life. Then we ask the basic question. A lot of people say, well, you guys talk about being, being saved. Why do I have to be saved? Why to saved from what? Saved from the power of sin. We are all hopelessly lost. People have this strange concept that they know they do bad things, but they say, well, I'm not so bad. If I can just do enough good to outweigh my bad, you know, they think it's like this. It's not like this. It's like this. There's no way you can be good enough to overcome this. You can't do it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't sacrifice your way into it. It only comes by grace, the free gift of God. When you ask God to forgive you of your sins, and he is what balances out in your life. We all need to be saved. And then last week we talked about forgiveness. You have to forgive people. It is, you talk about Christianity 101, man. That is seriously Christianity 101. Jesus said, as we all stood at our campuses and prayed, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's a big deal. Jesus was absolutely crystal clear that if you do not forgive people who hurt you, God will not forgive you. Wow, that's a big stinking deal. You need to learn to let things go. All right? So now today we want to ask this question. What is love? True love. What is love all about? Now, I'm reminded of the movie Forrest Gump, where Forrest makes this statement, I may not be a smart man, but I know what love is. The idea is that even the greatest of simpletons can comprehend love. You would think it's so easy to understand that even force can grasp it. Well, the truth is love is not nearly as simple as one would think. What is love? How do you know if you're walking in love? Well, we compare that against the standard, right? The Bible, what does the Bible say love is? And we find that in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Now, this is a fairly common verse of scripture at weddings. Couples love to have the love verses read. <laughs> All right? And, you know, you know, she gets her cousin from Albuquerque to come up and read the Bible. And this is what she reads. 1 Corinthians said, love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, 
always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then they say, I do, and everybody goes to the reception. All right? Now, <laughs> actually, this wasn't designed to be a wedding verse. It's, just, it's talking about love. Uh, and what is love? And we read those words, and they say, oh, that's just really nice, and that's pretty simple, until you go back and really look at what those words mean. Words have meaning, and just glossing them over doesn't give us the meaning. Now, I have to tell you, as I've been doing this study, series of studies on some of these basic truths, as I've already mentioned, it's good to talk about these basic things, because, I mean, some people have been in church forever, and they've heard these things a thousand times, and a lot of times... We don't talk about these things. We just assume everybody understands them, but they don't. Uh, when we were growing up, back in the Stone Age, you know, everybody, whether you were a devout Christian or not, went to classes. They were always forced, you know, catechisms or this class or that class, you know. But we live in a world today, most people are raised not with no biblical training. They don't know jack. Just what they hear on TV, you know. That's their, I know what love is. That's their Bible, all right? So as we go through and we start teaching them, it's good for them to kind of catch up and realize. But as we've been doing this, even a lot of people who've been in this for a long time have been coming up to me and saying, man, I love that you've been doing this because it's helping me kind of reground. And it's been true, even for myself, as I've been reading these things going, wow, it's good to kind of just remind ourselves. As Peter wrote in the Bible, it's good to remind ourselves of the basic. Don't get so haughty that you think you don't need to go back to the basics. And that's what I've been doing. And I have to tell you, of all... The lessons that I've worked on so far for the series, this one has been the most painful because apparently I'm not as loving as I should be. <laughs> Hard to imagine. But when you start looking at what these words really mean, it's like, ow! All right? So let's take a look at what these love words mean. Let's go back to love is patient. Let's go to the dictionary. What does patient mean? It means bearing or enduring pain or trouble without complaining or losing self-control. And everybody said, ouch. Amen, yes. Not complaining when we have to endure pain. Uh, uh, it's hard not to do that. We tend to lose self-control. And here's the thing about all of these things. We feel totally justified. I wouldn't be complaining if you weren't such a pain. All right? So we think it's okay to react badly because it's your fault. All right? But no, that's not love. When you're whining and complaining, even under pain, that according to the scriptures, is not love. Ow. Love is patient. The first thing it starts with, love is patient. Uh, there's a second meaning to the word patient. Put that back on the screen. <laughs> huh? Love is patient. I got to be patient. <laughs> See what I mean? The pain of it all. Here we go. Patient. Second, refusing to be provoked or angered as by insult. All right? 
<laughs> People insult us, and boy, do you feel justified then, right? I wouldn't be upset if you weren't such a jerk. I wouldn't be mad if you weren't so insensitive. Quit shaking your head, wife. I wouldn't be this way. <laughs> because we feel perfectly justified. But love is patient, refusing to be provoked or angered, even when we're being insulted. That's when you know you're truly walking in love. Now, clearly, this is not as easy as we are led to believe. You say, Pastor, how do we fix this? You got to wait to the end, all right? But uh, just pointing out where we're at, this is a difficult thing. Uh, and then thirdly, patience means calmly waiting for something desired. Calmly waiting for something desired. See, we're taught that true love can't wait. It's now or never. Come hold me tight. Kiss me, my darling. Be mine tonight. Tomorrow <laughs> will be too late. It's now or never, my love can't wait. Yeah, throw in an extra 20 bucks in the offering. All right, so now, <laughs> this is the Elvis song. It's now or never. See, everything about our culture says, true love can't wait. Tomorrow. What a moron. Tomorrow will be too late. If we wait till tomorrow, it's over. That is not love. A song like that is not love. That stupid song is the antithesis of love. It is the anti-love song. Don't tell me you're in so in love, you just can't wait till tomorrow. That is not love. Now you single girls, me. listen to me. Don't let some idiot boy pressure you to put out because he's so in love. Oh, come on, baby, I can't wait anymore. <laughs> I've been dating you for 27 minutes, come on. Listen to me, ladies, if you don't respect yourself, you can never expect a man to respect you. You need to respect yourself, all right? Love, true love, can wait. And if he can't wait, dump him and move on. Now, having said that, there's just common sense. For the love of, that's why I say, when you date these guys, girls, Give them 12 months. If they don't ask you to marry them in 12 months, dump them and move on. Because you keep dating some idiot year after year after year, you are going to get sexually involved with that person. You got to be smarter than that. Don't let them use you and suck the life out of you and then dump you. Let me explain to you how this works, girls. You're 20 years old. You date some moron. 
for four or five years. Then he dumps you, which is what happens. Now you are devastated. <laughs> takes you a year to get over it. Then it takes you another year to find another moron. Now you're 27. And you do it again. And you date some guy for three, four, five years. Now you're 32 and now he dumps you. Takes you a year to get over it. Takes you another year or two to find another guy. Now you're 35. You got like three shots at this and then you're in the nobody wants me zone anymore. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> That's why you date him a year. If he can't make a decision, dump his butt and move on. Now you're only 21. Now you're 23, now you're 24. You can go through a handful of them. And still got a lot of life in you, praise the Lord. Don't let them suck the youth and life out of you. So well, I can wait till I, much later, find, yeah, it gets a lot harder. You know what these guys in their 30s and 40s do? They don't want to date you. They want to jump back in the 20-year-old pool. Splash around in there for a while. So true love can wait, but don't be dumb, all right? Now, if you're married, there should not be a lot of waiting going on. Amen. Praise God. All the men said amen. Amen. Don't be making him wait and starving him out, climbing the walls and going crazy. For heaven's sakes. And listen to me. I know there's some of you sinners out there. I know there are. Our church is too big for it not to be happening. Stevens Point, Appleton, here somewhere, there's women who are starving out there, or guys starving out their wives. It goes both ways. And they refuse to be intimate. Do you know why? Because what we talked about last week, unforgiveness. They get mad. They get ugly. They get bitter inside. And they starve out that other person. Shame on you. It should not be happening. You need to move on. Y'all need to be active. <laughs> Praise God. Somebody say amen. 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 I thought it'd be louder, but okay. <laughs> I ain't said nothing. She'll hit me, man. I ain't said nothing. <laughs> All right. Love can wait, but in some context, there shouldn't be any more waiting going on. <laughs> One brave soul. Praise God. All right, moving on. Hard to follow up on Elvis, but we got to move on. <laughs> Love is kind. What does kind mean? It means the possession of sympathetic or generous qualities. In a nutshell, be nice. Be nice. Again, we feel justified in not being nice because of what somebody else does to us, right? And we all have reasons for this. I don't have to be nice. Yes, yes you do. Even now that doesn't mean you have to put yourself in an abusive situation. Somebody starts punching you, you step, you step back. But this attitude, I no longer have to, the rules don't apply to me to be nice anymore, is not love. If you can't be nice to someone, if you can't be patient with people, you can't be nice to people, you are not walking in love. 
Here's an important, it says, love does not envy. What does envy mean? See, we don't even know what these words mean anymore. What does envy mean? Magic blackboard. There we go. To feel ill will, jealousy, or discontent at another person's possession of something that one keenly desires to have or achieve for oneself. You start envying what somebody else has, you're not walking in love. And this goes back, this is one of the big 10, thou shalt not covet, all right? You should not covet your neighbor's goods, you should not covet anything that is thy neighbor's, and he specifically mentions you should not covet your neighbor's wife. Again, this church is too big for somebody not to be doing that here. Somebody starts jonesing for somebody else's husband. Somebody starts jonesing for somebody else's wife. By the way, keep tabs on your spouse. Somebody say amen. amen. All right? It doesn't mean you walk around just all paranoid and crazy. Just don't, you know, just pay attention. Hang on to your husband. <laughs> all right? Now, you say, well, I, I can't help it, Pastor. I just, I just love that person. I just, ha, ha, ha. That's not love. Why? Because love does not envy. You th- listen, you realize, I don't know if you realize this, listen to me. Virtually every affair ends badly. I forget the numbers you were throwing at me, 94%. I don't know where they get these up, but it's high. 94% of the time, you never end up with that person anyway. Do you know why? Because what you're feeling is not love. It is just pure, unadulterated lust, narcissism, and selfishness. It is not love. Don't get sucked down into this black hole of an affair. It might give you all pitter-patters and stuff inside, but it's not love. It is destructive, uh, uh, Solomon wrote, it's like walking down into the stairs of hell. It's not worth it. It's never worth it. I don't care who you think he is or who you think she is. Pay attention. Don't always be on guard when you start feeling those kind of feelings. Call it what it is. It never has been and it never will be love because love does not envy. Next one says... Love does not boast. What is boasting? Proclaiming one's superiority in an insolent or overbearing way. You know, I'm a lot smarter than you. You know, I'm more successful than you. You know, I make more money than you. I'm prettier than you. Of course, I never have that problem. <laughs> it's a joke. Self-deprecating humor. Get a dictionary. I come from a better family than you. You realize your family's insane. (laughs) Now, here's the thing about all those statements. They are usually overwhelmingly true. You are, in fact, smarter than that other person, better looking than that other person, more education than that other person, make more money than that other person, and clearly your family is not nearly as psycho as theirs. 
But just because it's true doesn't mean you should be doing that to people, okay? That is boasting, and it's done for advantage, and it's not love. When you got those kind of words coming out of your mouth, you're no longer walking in love. You're just being mean. Now, oftentimes, I'm telling you, here's the crazy thing about all these things. There is so much truth behind it all. There's a reason I'm not patient. There's a reason that I am boasting. There's a reason for it, because they tend to be true. Okay? But it's not love. Zip it. Okay? Your accomplishments and your status in life should speak for itself. You don't have to go around reminding people because when you do that, especially to people closest to you, and again, a lot of us are guilty of this, quick and easy to go to these places, but it's not helpful, and it is certainly not love. He goes on to say that love is not proud. What is pride? There's different kinds of pride, but the bad proud is this, to take one's station or rank and display it in scorn of those one considers beneath them. This is my rank, reminding them that you don't meet that rank. I'm in charge of this department. You know, I'm a board member in this church. I'm the boss. I, I went to college, you know, Mr. Ignoramus. I have an advanced degree. All kinds of ways that people point out their status to point out others' shortcomings. Again, they tend to be true. But it's not love when you do that. People do this spiritually. I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm an elder. I'm a, I'm a deacon. <coughs> Whatever that means, I don't know what it means. Sometimes... Husbands do this to their wives in their home where they point out, you know, the Bible says, I'm the head of the home. Now, you should never have to say something like that. All right? If you talk that way to your wife, you need a swirly. <laughs> do you know what a swirly is? You stick your head in the toilet, you flush, and it swirls around you. Ah, very refreshing. Don't you go around reminding your, oh, well, the Bible says I'm in charge. Really? You're just being a jerk. Taking one status. Sometimes people take their knowledge of the Bible and beat up their spouse, who they know doesn't know that. Well, you know what? Psalm 27, 5 says. <laughs> Don't kick your dog. <laughs> See, a lot of times, and, and some, a lot of women are guilty of this because women tend to read more than men. They do. Do you know that most men, after graduating from high school for the rest of their lives, read one book? <laughs> it's sad. Uh, but women like to read and like to read all these spiritual books and, you know, K. Arthur books and all these spiritual books and, you know, oh, I'm so spiritual, 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 spiritual. And then they like to turn around and slap their husbands with it. No, 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 no. Your knowledge is pride. When you do that, you're not walking in love. I was on a 
radio interview somewhere. I can't remember where we're at. And uh, the guy's interviewing me, and then he said, well, let's open up for questions. I thought, oh, he's like, oh, no. <laughs> when the callers call in, they're all crazy, you know. But uh, so this lady calls in and says, y'all need to pray for my husband. And the guy says, well, why, why does he need prayer? He, says, uh, I, he won't let me read the Bible to him. I try to read the Bible. He just won't. We need to pray for him. And the guy says, okay, well, let's pray for her husband right now. I said, no, no, wait a minute. It was one thing I've learned about couples. They're full of it, all right? You got to ask questions. Always ask questions. The more questions you ask, the closer you will get to the truth. I said, wait, 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 wait. The guy was shocked. What, what, we're trying to pray. Just wait a minute. I said, ma'am, you say your husband won't let you read the Bible to him. That's right. He just won't. I said, okay. What are you reading to him? She said, what do you mean? I said, well, there's two ways you can read the Bible. One is you can read to him scriptures that show what a failure and a loser he is. Or you can read to him scriptures that build him up and encourage him. Which do you do? She goes, uh, the first. <laughs> well, I ain't praying for your husband. I need to pray for you. It's just pride, arrogance, and it's not love. All right? Now, again, these things are painful to read. Because I'm like, ow, 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 ow. And it's good to take a look at it. You say, well, Pastor, how do we fix this? Well, we're not done yet. So you got to come back next Sunday. All right? Because we're not even halfway through of what love is, as you can see. And, and notice, he's not talking any emotion here. Nowhere in the list of love is to talk how you feel. How somebody makes me feel is irrelevant. That's not what love is. And we're going to continue this next week. So let's pray. You have to be patient. <laughs> Father, we thank you that you love us. Oh, God, for this we are grateful that you are patient with us. Lord, help us to understand your truth. Help us to realize we need to walk in love. And it's not as easy as force makes it out to be. It can be rather complicated, and it's good to remind ourselves of these things because you are love, and those who walk in love are followers of God, and we want to be that. We pray for your grace in this area. Forgive us for our sins, our shortcomings, our failings in this area, and help us to start to do the right thing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. See you next Sunday.